give you glory. We bless your holy name. We ask that you speak to us. We pray, O oh God, that the entrance of your word will bring light to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Malachi chapter number 1, verse number 6 to verse number 9. We started last week talking about being, beginning a new way of serving the Lord. Beginning a new way to serve the Lord. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is my honor? Where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord. It is you priests who show contempt for my name, but ask how have we shown contempt in your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame and diseased uh, animals, is it not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Now, plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your heart. Will he accept you, says the Almighty, the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Now, Prophet Malachi was saying something here that the way we priests, he used the word priest, the way um, dishonor is meted out to him, it starts with the priests. It starts with those of us who are supposed to know better. Amen. Those of us who are like senior elder brothers and elder sisters in the house, who are supposed to know better. We are the ones who rather are con uh, contaminating the altar because we offer shabby worship. We offer shabby service. We offer shabby worship to God. And he said, he asked the question, if we like, let us offer the service or the worship we do in the house of God. Let us try offering it to our bosses, to our governors, to see whether they will be happy with us. Amen. Whether they will appreciate us. And the funny, for me, my, uh, what was interesting about this little passage you read was how the priests were unaware of what they were doing wrong. Because they asked, they, they continually asked, in what way have we dishonored you? In what way have we not served you right? In what way have we, because to, as far as they were concerned, you are even lucky that we are serving you. Others don't serve you. I've always said this thing that let us not have this favor mentality. 
I don't know whether you understand. It's, a, it's almost as if we are doing God a favor by serving him. How many understand what I'm trying to say? It's like you are, you are blessed that I'm even here. Others are not here, but I am here. So you, you should count yourself lucky that at least I am serving you. No, no, God doesn't want that type of service. He wants us to serve him sacrificially. He wants us to serve him in a certain way that will be glorious and honorable to him. Am I making sense? So he was challenging us to think about our service to God and change our ways. Hallelujah. Try and find a new way of serving the Lord. So we started talking about a new way to serve God, a new way to worship God, a new way in, in such a way that we are deliberate about what we are doing. We are aware of our surroundings because the priests initially in this little passage were not aware what they were doing wrong. In fact, for a few, about two or three of three times, they kept asking God, in what way have we dishonored you? In what way have we not served you right? In what way have we not worshipped you well? Which means that they were not sure. They didn't know. They didn't have any inkling that they were doing something wrong. Amen. And I am sure that all of us fall into the same category of priests. who said We are serving God now, best of our intention, best of our our knowledge, we are doing the right things, but God is not pleased. Amen. And he's challenging us to change what we do. The first thing we said, that we must, we must stop serving God out of, um, what do you call it? It's almost as if we are doing God a favor. Amen. God doesn't want that favor. Amen. Can you imagine you have a, a, a worker and the worker comes to work three hours late, and when you complain, he says that you are even lucky I came. How many know that? How many know a certain type of worker like that? It's almost as if you are blessed I am, in, I am at work. You should count yourself lucky that I came. They will come for two hours and then They'll come around 10 o'clock instead of starting at 8. And by 11.15, they go clock out for lunch and they come back at 3. Because they would have gone to do their hair, they would have gone to do their nails, they would have gone shopping, then they would have had lunch and then come back at 3. Only to pack, start packing to go home at 4. By 4.15, they are out of the, uh, <laughs> the office because of traffic. How many know the type of worker like that? And see that that type of worker, you know, there's no way you'll be promoted. And that type of worker can only work for a certain part, uh, aspect or part of the, 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 what do you call it? The, the company. You can't work for a very serious-minded company. You can only work for the government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if you try working for any serious-minded, uh, what do you call it, private company or private uh, owner, you'll be sacked on the spot. You'll be sacked because you cannot present that behavior anywhere. How is it that we think that it's okay to present that behavior in the house of God? 
And because we are supposed to be priests, people are looking at our example to lead this. So if the priests are coming to church late, why should the ordinary members come in any earlier? Hello? Am I talking to you? Our actions are not the best. The first thing we said was that if you're going to serve God, serve God in your best, serve God best in your actions. And we use the story of um, Abel and Cain. Do you remember? Cain and Abel. They went to worship. They went to give sacrifice. And God had regard or respect for Abel's sacrifice in Genesis 4, 3 to 7. But in Cain's sacrifice, God did not have any, he disregarded it, he disrespected it. Amen. And God said that if you had done right, in verse 7, he said that if you had done, so Abel, he said, if you do what is right, will it not be acceptable? But if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Because the person who was doing wrong, who brought a shabby type of worship, was angry that his worship was not, or his sacrifice was not respected. In other words, he had no self, um, what do you call it? Self-awareness. He was not aware of the shabby type of worship he had brought to God. He was not aware that his sacrifice was shabby. I pray that we will be aware of the type of sacrifice we are giving. Amen. I pray that from today you will be aware of the type of worship you bring to God. So that when God comes and says, I don't like your worship, you will not be shocked. Amen. Oh, you don't like what I'm saying. I, I, I just wrote a little, a little line in a book that I'm writing just, just now before I came here. And I said that, let us log the way we spend a Monday to Sunday. Log everything you do. And leave it, after you've logged it from Monday, whatever time you wake up, Till Sunday, whatever time you go to bed, log every detailed thing you do for a whole week. And when you finish, put it away. And revisit it a month later to go through every catalog of everything you did and assess yourself what you think about the way you spent the week. Uh, or you don't like the experiment? It's a very good experiment. <laughs> I, think we have to do it. I just I just wrote it in the book. I, I said that let us. I said that give yourself take a whole journal, take a whole journal and write from from Monday when you wake up, or Sunday morning when you wake up, through to Saturday night when you go to bed. Write everything, everything you do. Everything, catalog every minute, every second, every hour. And then when you finish, leave it for a month. Then after a month, revisit it 
and then assess yourself and see whether you use the time right. You'll probably find out how little time you give to God. No, because you, you, you can't, when, you, you know we have a way of appeasing our conscience yeah. that we have just done something. Because when you pray for five minutes, in your mind you have prayed an hour. Do you understand? A week. And then it will make you think, oh, I, I, I pray during the week. Meanwhile, you have only prayed five minutes in the whole week. That's why I'm saying that catalog the whole, catalog the whole week and then assess yourself after a month. So the man gives you time to do other things. Then you come back to look at what you did. To assess yourself. The Bible says, see that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Rightly redeeming the time. Ephesians 5, 17, I think. Because you need to. No, go to 15. Start from uh, 16, 15 here. Be careful then how you live. Yeah. 15. Says that. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but what? As wise. Uh, give me. No, no, no. Give me the New King James. Give me the New King James version. Give me the New King James Version. See that? Go back to 15. See that you walk what? Circumspectly. Means that calculating. See that you are very calculating. Not as what? Fools, but as wise. Redeeming the times because the days are evil. To redeem something means take back. Hallelujah. Take back. A lot of us, we give time to foolishness. It's time for us to take back that time. From, from foolishness. Amen. Oh. Amen. We give time to a lot of frivolities. It's time to take it back. We give time to a lot of cost 90. Nothingness. Zero. You are better off sitting in, in, the, in the middle of the, the park and looking at the star, star, uh, stars for the whole week. At least you will see, you will notice some stars you've never seen before. Because for most of us, sometimes we cannot account for the whole week what we've done. Especially those of us who say we work. I was. I was having a conversation with a pastor. And the pastor was like, hey, I hear you've written a book. I said, yes. And he said, ah, are you still working? Then I said, yes. He said, ah, so, and you're still pastoring? I said, yes. Then he said, ah, how do you find time to go to work, write a book, and you're pastoring? And I said to him, this was a while ago. Then I said to him, there's plenty of hours in a, in a week. You only work at most 40 hours. 
40 out of 169 hours. 24 times 7 is what? 168. 168. So take 40 out of 168. So you, it's only a quarter of the week that you are working. There's a whole lot of 120 hours left. How many hours do I pastor in a week? Assume I pastor 10 hours in a week. Take that 10 out of 120. I'm left with 110 hours. 118 hours. Take uh, 8 times 7 hours. Of sleep. 56. Take 56 out of the 118. You have 62 hours. Can you account for what you do with the 62 hours? Oh, you don't like my calculation. If it's affecting you, say, hmm. <laughs> Or you can say, ouch. <laughs> that is why I said that I'm giving you homework. Take a journal and write everything you do in a week. And then put the journal away for a month. And then revisit it and ask yourself, what did you do? We make ourselves too busy to serve God properly. And we blame it on work. We blame it on busyness. The Bible says that Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It's time for us to bring a more excellent service to God. Amen. Than you've ever brought. Nobody saying amen. amen. That was still worrying you. <laughs> and the next thing we talked about was excellence. Learning to serve God with all your excellence, with all your knowledge and skill. Amen. And we talked about Bezalel, do you remember? Exodus 35, 30. How he used his skill to serve God. Do you use your skill to serve God or you serve God like you are uneducated? If you are a doctor and you serve God like an uneducated person, there is something wrong with your service. Oh, you don't get what I mean. An uneducated person will serve God up to the level of his competence. A very educated person has to serve God higher and better. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. So my question to you is, are you serving God to the level of your competence or you are serving God like anybody?
if you are a pastor, if you are serving God like an ordinary Christian, then there's something wrong because you know, you know a little bit more. You are supposed to know a little bit more. Isn't it? If you have been in church for more than five years, you qualify for at least masters. <laughs> masters in serving God because you have more knowledge. There's a scripture, there's a scripture, uh, look for that scripture for me. The servant who knew what the master wanted and did not obey was given more stripes than the one who didn't know. Look for that scripture for me. I'm only going over what we talked about last week. I just felt that I need to go over it again because Luke chapter 12, 47. Says, and the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to or do according to his will shall be beaten with what? Many canes. Why is that the case? Verse 48, but he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. Because to whom much is given, much is required, much is expected. If you know, you have been in church for a long time, you know what is the right things to do. How is it that you are not doing them? And you are hiding under the excuse of busyness. Message means what? Let's look at the message. 48. Great gifts means what? Great responsibilities. Greater gifts means what? Greater responsibilities. God is expecting more responsibilities from us. Hallelujah. Verse 48. But he who does a poor job through ignorance, he will get off with a slap on the hand. Great gift means great responsibilities. Greater gift means what? Greater responsibilities. You've been here for a long time. So God expects greater from you. Oh, you don't understand what I mean? Stop using work as an excuse because there's not no excuse. Stop using distance. I come from far as an excuse. It's no excuse. In fact, any type of excuse you want to give, if you, if you examine that excuse, you see that it's some, it's some way. Excuse is a, is a very nice way to say that I will not do it. So you are finding a very reasonable thing not to be rude. But it's actually rude. In fact, me, I don't like, when you give me excuses, I look at you in some type of way. Because for me, it's rude. You are trying to tell me that I don't have sense. Because the excuse that you are giving, don't I know that that excuse exists? And still, I expect you to give what you are, you are I'm requiring from you. Amen. Next one. 
the place is gone quiet. And I, I haven't even started what I want to talk about today. Where are we? Serving in a personal way. Amen. If the service you give to church is everything you give to God, then there's something wrong with your service. You can look at the story of Cain and Abel. Cain brought the service he gives to God as he gives to church. No thought. He just gathers a few fruits and veg and brought it to church. But Bible says that Abel went for the fatlings and the firstlings. Do you know what the firstlings is? It means of every group of, every little family of, uh, what do you call it? Sheep or cattle, he picked the first. It means you have to really be mindful to go for the first. And not just the first, the fattest. So you have to, if it is like this is the first group, you have to go for which one was giving birth first. Means that if they are about 10, you have to identify them from the day they are born to know one, two, three, four, five. So, okay, this is the first one, and this is the biggest one to take. Then go to that group, one, two, three, four, five. Which one was born first? Then take. It must be a big homework you do at home to get at them and then bring them to church. In other words, you must give twice what you give in church to God at home. I don't think. The time you spend in church, you have to give twice of it at home in a personal way to God by yourself than you give. Amen. Remember the woman with the alabaster box? We talked about it last week. Say she prepared that box for one year. She prepared it. Can you imagine you are coming to lead worship for one day? You prepare for a year to come and lead that worship. Because the worship was a day's or maybe like an hour's worship. But the oil was a day, a, a year's worth. In other words, she prepared a year to come and give a 15 minutes, 20 minutes worship. How do you think the anointing will not flow? You pray for a year to come and preach a 40 minutes sermon. Obvious the anointing will flow. Or oh, you don't understand me. So let us not bring shabby worship. Your personal worship is more important than what you're coming to do here. And tireless dedication. Paul says that I am already being poured out. Second Timothy 4, 6. Like a drink offering. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have poured, I'm poured out. I am poured out. What Paul was saying that everything, the juice in me is finished. The juice in me is finished. Listen, let the juice in you be finished. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. There is so much in you that you haven't given out. 
There's so much word in you that nobody has heard. There's so much passion in you that has not been felt in the house of God. There is so much prayer in you that has not been prayed for anybody. There is so much in you that you are holding back on. Who are you holding back for? You're all quiet. I'm asking a question. Nobody's minding me. Who are you holding back for? Hmm? You're waiting for the day you are appointed as pastor before you start bringing what's inside of you. It doesn't work like that. If you are waiting for the day you get a state to, to pour out, then you are ill-prepared. Because preparation starts from where you are. Oh? Faithfulness in administration. The parable of the talents. How do you administer the talents God has given you? How do you give off what you have? Are you faithful in administration or do you bury the talents? Amen. It's a question. Or you don't want to answer it. We just said to whom much is given, much is required, isn't it? So God requires a lot from you because he has deposited a lot in you. He wants you to administer the talent and use it. Finish it. Amen. What number are we on? Was that the last one we did? Huh? All right. Next one. What, so what number are we on? Next one is six. Okay, so number six. Serve God by being honest to yourself. Ask yourself whether you are serving the best way. Somebody preached a message. Is, there, is this the best you can do for God? Is this the best you can do? The whole sermon. Is this the best you can do? Be honest with yourself in that question. Can we ask ourselves that question for five minutes? Ask your neighbor. Is it the best you can do or you can, you, you can do more? First Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So use what you have as faithful stewards in its various forms. 
which means that it's not just in one form. Everything you have, is this the best you can administer what has, God has deposited in you? Or can you do more? Are you holding out? I read somewhere in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Is it chapter 9 verse 9 or chapter 10 verse 9? Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart and might. No, verse 10. Chapter 9 verse 10. I'm waiting for you. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your what? Might. For the realm of the dead, where you are going, there's neither work, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So you have found service in the house of God. The challenge is that do the best with your might. Give off everything. So the question still remains, is this the best you can do? Be honest. Ask yourself that question. Am I doing my best to help the house of God? Am I giving off everything I have in me? Or can I do more? I've always asked myself that question. And you see, never ask yourself that question when you're looking at others. Because when you, when, when you are looking at others, you always see somebody that you are better than. Have you not realized that when you fail, you always get a lot of, a plethora of people who failed like you. Even this person failed. Even that person failed. Even that person failed. And you say, oh, even this person got worse than I got. But if you are looking for fellowship of failures, you'll find them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Nobody cares about the people who failed. Be honest and ask yourself, could I have done better? Can I do better? This is the t- opportunity and the time we have to give of our best to God. Is this the best we can do for God? Or can we do more? Because nobody's promised you tomorrow. Hallelujah. Tomorrow, today could be your last day. You never know. We all, nobody knows that. So if today was the best, review what you have done. And ask yourself, did I give up my best to God? Or was I chasing something else? Quite frankly, everything we are chasing is cost 90. When it comes to life and death, you realize that everything cost 90. Because the houses, the cars, the food, the money, you are not taking it with you. It is certain that we brought nothing to this world and we are taking nothing with us. That's a fact. The only thing we take with us is what we did for God. That's the only thing. 
Blessed are those who die in God, in Christ, for their works follow them. Look for that scripture for me, uh, Revelation 21, there about. Blessed are they that die in Christ. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit. They rest from their labor for the word, the word for is the same word as because, because their deeds or their works will follow them. So the only thing that follows you from the hereafter is the, what you do for God. Your medicine will not follow you. Your law degree will not follow you. They will write it at a tombstone that here lies the remains of lawyer, uh, doctor, supervisor, professor, doctor, doctor, XY, who was born on such and such a day and died on such and such. So that is the, the end of that nomenclature. Below that tombstone, your nomenclature doesn't go there with you. But the only thing that will follow you is the works that you do for God. That's the only thing. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me whilst his day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Amen. So be honest with yourself. The Bible says, look for that scripture also for me. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. First Corinthians eleven thirty one. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. So if you were to judge yourself, and I'll give you the marking scheme. Let us use Paul as a marking scheme. Or oh, it's too high. <laughs> if we would judge ourselves, we would not what be judged. So, how do you, you see, that is why I'm always scared to call myself Apostle this or something this or that. I'm scared because if you say you call yourself Apostle BK and Apostle Paul comes to stand next to you that here we are calling the apostles to ask, let the apostles come to the left. Let's review their work. Apostle Paul is sitting here. Apostle BK is sitting here. Nobody will tell Apostle BK to just suck himself from that seat. <laughs> Let all the bishops come and sit here. And then you come and sit here. You're a bishop, okay. So how many souls? 35. When this bishop, oh, here the post is there with 
35 million. And you sit with uh, 35 people. And you are calling yourself Bishop, Bishop. So I say, so remove that. You, are, you don't even qualify to be, uh, what do you call it, evangelist. <laughs> or you call yourself prophet. The, the 35. <laughs> a big title. Have you not read those who have big titles don't have anything? They use the big title to cover. That's why in this day and age of uh, social media, social media prophets, plenty. Boku. Never prophesied anything useful. It's always people who have died and people who want to kill your brother, sister, cousin want to kill you. Nonsense, nonsense. Don't I already know that people want to kill me? At least John 10 10 tells me that there's somebody who's trying to kill me. You don't, I don't need you to come and tell me that my auntie's cousin, sister, brother is want to kill me. I know that already. Tell me something different. So I don't, I don't, I honestly don't have time for prophets who always, I see your cousin, sister has gone somewhere to go and tie you. I already know that. Tell me something different. I read John chapter 10 verse 10. He told me that somebody wants to kill me already. I know Satan is already trying to kill me from the day I was born to now. So tell me something I don't know. I see. A coffin. And now I... I saw you were eating with the dead people. But where were you when you <laughs> were you not in the dining room to see that you were eating? So what, what were you eating there? That's why I don't like us comparing ourselves to other churches. It's the best CICC can give. Look at the city of a million souls. And we don't even see 200 people. And we are boasting. Boasting of what? It's the best we can do. We don't even have 1,000 people. What are we doing? If you gave of your best, and you gave of your best, and you gave of your best, and you gave of, we'll have more than twenty-five thousand. But because next door is not doing anything much, and the next door after that is not doing any much, and next door after that is not doing anything much, and next door after that is not doing, it makes us all comfortable. Fellowship of lazy Christians. You don't like the message. And so we rent tiny, tiny rooms. We rent tiny rooms and makes us feel comfortable. Because if the room can sit 30 people and you are 20, if the room is already full. So you are doing well, isn't it? 
Why don't you go and rent a 30-seater and see whether 20 people will? Look how many, look how empty we feel. You go and get a, a room three times the size and put us a congregation here of this. You will see that we are not doing much. Or you don't like my message. Let me move on quickly. The way people are looking at me, I'm not happy at all. David is looking at me sideways. He said, you, I'll, I'll catch you outside at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Meet me at 3 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not going that way. I'll pass here. <laughs> Didn't like in you know when I didn't like bullies at all. When they tell me I meet me at three o'clock, no, let's start the fight now. <laughs> Let me see my last. At least if you are going to beat me, beat me here, so I don't have to think about the beatings I receive after school. The whole day, my whole day sport. I can't even concentrate because I'm thinking of the beatings I'll get. No, let me get the beatings now that I can move on. Next one, next one. Serve God by caring for those who are. Young in the faith. Serve God by caring for the young in the faith. Romans 14, 1 to 9. Accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One's faith one, one, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. If you know anybody who is a vegan, tell them their faith is weak. According to Apostle Paul, not me. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. One who, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servant stands or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Tell the, uh, what do you call it, Seventh-day Adventist people and uh, other people. Where are we? One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Then another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Hallelujah. 
So who, we who are strong must bear those who are weak in faith. Amen. One of the principal duty of every Christian in this room is to be an encouragement for somebody who's, who is beginning the journey. The reason why the early church in Jerusalem became solid and did well was that the older in the faith carried the younger in the faith along. Amen. The more the church has gone on, the more selfish we have become. Because you realize that as soon as we got to Acts chapter 6, selfishness came into the system. That they were not thinking about the weaker in faith. It was now me or ours, our widows, our, our people are not be our, because it was all about selfishness. And, and the apostles were like, no, 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 we must not allow this into the system because this thing will spoil what we are doing. Unfortunately, that thing is prevalent in the church today. Amen. Now it's all about us. Everyone is going to hell but us. And we are okay with that. Yeah, we don't care whether we look down on those who are not as strong in the faith as we are. The reason why our churches are small is because we don't accommodate weaker Christians. You know, she's saying that the 35 souls, her, she was saying her 35 souls are polished and ready. They are quality souls. They are high quality souls. God is not about 35 high-quality souls. God is about all men being saved. And for that to happen, the 35 must spread themselves to be able to carry. If they were carrying 100 each, it would be 3,500 souls. We may not have the same quality, but at least they are going, they are going to heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not about us. So we come and polish upon more polishing, upon more polishing, upon more polishing, upon more polishing. You have been polished. Every Wednesday you come to be polished. Every Wednesday you come to be polished. How many people are you bringing to be polished as you on Wednesday? Or you come by yourself? You are not carrying anybody. If you are carrying somebody, you will come with somebody. If you are carrying somebody, you will get them up to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? People don't just naturally grow in a church. They need to be helped to grow. Are you with me? You have to wake them up. You have to go and get them from, from the house and bring them. Meet them after work and bring them. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is how they will grow and become like you. I told you how I became, I began to grow in the church. Somebody took me as a personal project and will come every time to chase me to church. Yeah. He will come and chase me and chase me and chase me and chase me. And as soon as I see him, or I know the time, as soon as I go and hide, then my mother will tell him, when you do don't hit the gate. Come, come, come. And point. Because I'm hiding. I'm going to the back of the house. I'll be hiding. 
I'm a dog. I'll be standing, you come and hold me like this. He could have gone to church by himself. I think one of these days I have to bring him. Or what do you think? So that he come and tell some of the stories. He was my friend, but I didn't like him at all. I think uh, only um, Joel and uh, Francis know, know him here. And you. See, and the way he's, he's very tiny and very small, but he's, he's troublesome. He's... <laughs> Yes, we're talking, and he's very quick. When he's walking, he walks very fast. He, he, his heels don't touch the ground. So when he's walking, he's always walking like this. So you pull him in, and then I'll be like, you know, when you don't want to go somewhere near. <laughs> so every every, I don't even remember. It was a Thursday or so. Every day you see him, you know, pull him. In. I don't want to go. I'm going to sit in this place, this classroom. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was 12, 13. And he must have been about 17 or so. But he carried me. Today I'm here preaching. He's also still preaching. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he carried me for me to be able to carry somebody. Are you getting? And those I've carried are also now carrying others. And that is what Christianity is about. Are you with me? It's not always you wanting to be carried. You have been carried for. I mean, can you imagine carrying a, 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 an eight-year-old baby like you're carrying uh, Wesley? There is something wrong with you. For 10 years you have been carried in this church. You are still being carried up to today. Come on. Somebody's got to be crazy. <laughs> polishing, polishing, polishing. You have been polished and polished and polished and polished and polished. I am tired of polishing you. <laughs> Somebody needs you to polish them. There are some meetings I've stopped doing. Because it's boring for me. And the reason why it's boring for me is because you know what to do, but you're not doing it. You want me to give you more. It's tiring. Sometimes you see Pastor, Pastor Sam will drag me and drag me, then I'll go. And just for them to get off my back. But really my heart. <laughs> Who are you bearing up in the faith? At least, everyone here must have at least 12 people you are bearing in the faith. If you have been in the house of God more than four years, five years, you are, more, you are 
uh, what do you call it? Three years for graduate. Is it? Huh? Four, let's say four years for graduate, BSc. And then five years for masters. Yeah, five years for masters. Eight years for a PA, uh, doctorate, is it? Are we okay? Doctorate? Eight years. And then how many have done eight years in the house of God? I mean, serious, when you, since you became serious in the house of God, give me a wave. So you, I'm talking to doctors <laughs> in the faith. <laughs> Professor Emeritus <laughs> in the faith. Consultant, specialist consultants in the faith. Specialized surgeons in the faith. And you, are, you have operated on nobody. You haven't even held them once. Hey, your beatings will be a lot. <laughs> your whippings will be a lot. Yeah. Find at least five, ten, twelve people and personally develop an interest in their spiritual life and bring them up. You don't have to be called a pastor to do that. That is what every mature Christian must do. If you have been in the house of God more than four years, five years, it is your reasonable service. Every meeting that you are going, carry them along. I remember this friend of mine. He challenged me, Pastor Peter. After every service, you see him. Go and talk to this person. I said, so how is your how is your quiet time? How is Peter, let's go home. He was my house, he was my roommate. Peter, let's go home. Come here, come here, come here. Because after church, me, I've been here for long. I'm tired, I'm hungry. I've finished packing this to me. I want to go home and sleep. Or go home and eat. How's your quiet time? Peter. So sometimes I'll leave him. Let me talk to this guy. Let me talk to this guy. Let me talk to this. He will talk to about five, at least seven, eight people after church. The pastor has finished preaching. You two are coming to do your little sermon here. When we have to go home. But what I didn't realize was that that was what cemented most of the people. Because what the pastor is saying, he goes into one ear and comes out. But what you are saying. Because you are sitting in the congregation, but when you rise up and you are saying, it's more important than what the pastor said. Or you don't understand what I'm saying. Peter would take his time. I mean, no wonder Peter had a big, a very big ministry. Because he, his own was that personal interest to see you. That's a, a pastor. That was a pastor. He was my roommate. After church, every time you would go, talk to this person, talk to that person, talk to that person, talk to that person. When we get home, the same people you spoke to, as soon as we get home, he'll call all of them. So as we are trying to find food, I am cooking, he won't cook. 
he will be on the phone. The same people he spoke to in church, he will call them again. And so you see, as the, we're talking, you know, remember, so that I'll call you on uh, tomorrow to check your quiet time. By the time he's finished, the food is ready. Then comes, then we'll quarrel. How by that time I'm seething, I'm so angry. Because you, you are living in my house free of charge. The food, I bought the food. Now I have prepared the food, then you have come to eat. Because you are talking to people on the phone. That is, that is what this thing is all about. Bear one another. Carry one another. Amen. Amen. Let us build a community of believers. You know, that community where everybody is a parent. Have you not realized that, is it the elephants and most of these uh, uh, animals that, live together, like the ants and all those communal. You, you mother, it's not the one who gave birth alone that is the mother. Everybody else mothers a little one. Are you, are you getting it? Everybody. And that is why that community is always thriving. The Bible says, and they broke bread from house to house. They had fellowship. Every, it's not the apostles that is fellowshipping with the people. The older brothers and sisters amongst them were carrying. So in small groups, people were meeting, people were building people up. Are you getting it? So when you see all these, like you see uh, Mr. Joel and Cole, you organize people, they're taking them maybe to Nando's or to go and watch a movie and talk to them. And it, it should be something we are all doing. Don't wait to be called minister before you do it. You gather people who can take the same message, go over the message with them, you know, encourage them. You know, so I want to see you. I'm going to check up on you tomorrow. You know, I'm going to call you join uh, uh, before the, uh, the prayer at 5.30 to chase you. That was what Allah was doing to me. He was not the leader of the fellowship, but I was one of his personal projects he took on. Do you know how many years ago that was? I'm talking about 81, 82, 83. I haven't stopped talking about it. <laughs> this story that I'm talking to you as if it happened yesterday, it was in 81. How many years ago? 42 years ago. But the fruit, he, the, the, the seed he sowed, he's still bearing fruit to today. And I'm still talking about it. This is not the first place I've talked about him. Every church I've pastored, I've talked about the, this guy and what he did. Because as far as I'm concerned, he is the reason why I'm standing here. Not the pastor. He was not the pastor. He was just a, a guy. He was just a few years older than me. But he carried me in the faith. So I can't forget him. And I'm challenging all of us. Have some, I don't care what you do in the church. Have somebody you carry. 
At least, the least thing you can do is to have somebody who become like you. Do you understand? At least have like 12 people who become like you. If you come to church on Wednesday, they come to church on Wednesday because of you. If you join early morning prayer, they join early morning prayer before, because of you. If you come for all night, they also come for all night. Don't just get up and you are coming for all night by yourself. Who, what, what type of Christian are you? A whole head of people. Over 200 people. You can't carry one person. Something wrong here. Or you don't understand what I'm saying. There are over 200 people in the church and you can't carry one person. You can't take one person and develop interest in the person. It's not possible. Sunday, I, I saw my daughter was walking out and I called her, come, 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 come. I called this young guy. I said to this guy, have you seen, I want you to take him on. I want you to carry him. Yeah, I want you to carry him. Take his number, call him. From today, I want you to develop a personal interest in this little boy, this young boy. You know, the young boy, you know, that is what young people do. He's not interested. I was not interested in what Allah was trying to do. I was hiding. Because that is what young people would do. That is what the people you are trying to carry will do. They will hide from you. It was Daniel. Mm. You know, he also has a face. You don't know whether he's smiling or... Mm. I said, carry him. Take his number. Take a personal interest in him. Because all of us, at one point or the other, somebody carried us. Is it not true? Did you not have anybody carry you? All of us in this room, if you say nobody carried you, you'll be lying. Sorry? Oh, you'll be Elijah. <laughs> you carried yourself. <laughs> I don't know how many Elijahs are in this room, but somebody must have carried you. It's time for you to carry somebody. Amen. Okay, I'm finishing. So, I'm giving you four duties or five duties you must. Those who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. I didn't get a chance to read uh, uh, Romans 15, 1 to 3 or 1 to 5. It's the same thing. We, ought, we who are strong ought to carry the infirmities of those who are weak. Amen. Number two, as is your duty to bear with them, so is it your duty to receive them into communion with you. Sometimes the way to carry them is to bring them close. Take them out to Nando's. Do you, do you get it? Just take them out. Not because of the food, but you are bringing them to your community so that you can pastor them. You are bringing them into your circle. We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 2. 
Give me verse 2. She's gone on strike. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them what? Up. Each of us must try and build somebody up. Is it an assignment we, we will carry? Or I'm just polishing for the sake of polishing? Number three, verse three. McLean, are you going to carry some people? I was giving you fans, was it on Monday or Tuesday? You didn't mind me. Your head that I was giving, because he's always criticizing me that I don't give him fans. On Friday, I'll give you fans as well. Now from there, every day I see you, I'll give you fans. I didn't see you this morning. I was looking for you, so I'll give you fans. Tomorrow if I see you, I'll give you fans. You saw me. This morning I didn't see you, but I saw you on Monday. I didn't see you this morning. Yesterday, I didn't see you this. No, we are talking about when I'm in charge. The afternoons I'm not in charge. In the mornings when I'm in charge, that's when I, I can give you fans. If I give you fans in the afternoon, they won't mind. They'll mute me. <laughs> For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insult of those who insulted insult you have fallen on me. Hallelujah. This is some serious passage in chapter 14 and chapter 15. All right? They must look more upon their own graces than upon their weaknesses of those they are carrying. Look at building the grace that is in the person. Not their weak. Do you know when you look at somebody's mistakes and their weaknesses, you won't carry them. I wonder what uh, this guy saw in me. He's a man, wasn't he? I wonder what he saw in me. But he must have seen something. He must have seen something. The other day, we were teasing, he was teasing me and I was teasing him back. I said, hey, I hear that you're a big bishop. I said, oh, don't bring yourself. <laughs> I, said, I said, listen, when he comes to my church, they all know you. They all know that you carried me, so they don't come and start. Nobody will mind you. You must see the good in them. You must see what you can bring out of them. Do you know the good in them when it comes out to overshadow the bad in them? All right. Number four. It is our, the duty of strong saints to deny themselves to please the weak. It's the duty of us to deny ourselves to please those who are weak in the faith. Am I making sense? Deny yourself. Take the Uber and go and pick somebody. You would have taken the bus and saved yourself money. But deny that money if it means 
that you have to take an Uber to go and get this person or that person to bring them to church. It is worth it. 1 Corinthians 8.13 Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Look at verse 2 of first, uh, Romans 15.2. You, like the, the, you don't like the message? Huh? The way David is looking at me, if, I, if you could get up from where he's sitting to do something to me, I will really... <laughs> I'll meet you in the foyer after, after service. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them what? So don't please yourself. Pass through the coat. Go and get them and bring them. Amen. I know eventually Pastor Peter bought a jollopy. And the only reason why he bought the jollopy, because, I mean, we live in the same house. I drive. So we go to church together and come home together. At, at one point, we were working in the same place. So we, I, we go to work together. So there was no need for him to have a car. But he bought a jollopy because he has to go in the morning to pick some people. Because in the morning, you can't get me. Sunday morning, I'm busy. I have to go and do my instruments. I have to, you know, I don't have time. And I won't give him my car. So he was forced to buy a jollopy so that he can go and be picking people. So that after church, he can go and drop people. Because in going to drop people, he has the opportunity to chat with them, to solidify them. I don't know whether you are getting what I mean. That type of Christian is getting very scarce in the church today. And that is why the church is remaining smaller and smaller. You get it? Yes. 